Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 007 by 7 the podcast where we are investigating the James Bond films seven minutes at a time. I'm John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today, it's actually 007 by 10 because we're looking at minutes 105 to 115, which begin with poor Kronstein feeling the effects of Morzini's poison shoe and end with a shot of Venice as the camera sails away. In between, speedboats, grenades, and flare guns add up to a fiery chase, and Bond and Tanya escape to beautiful Venice, where Rosa Klebb, disguised as a maid, attempts to kill Bond with her poison shoe. After Bond remarks that dead Klebb has had her kicks, he and Tanya canoodle in a gondola, and Bond disposes of the sex film with a bye-bye wave of his hand. And today, we welcome back friend of the show, Jason Heck. And obviously the, the <clears throat> president of the uh, Alexei Kronstein fan club here in Kansas City. I, we have all, all of us, are there are seven of us, and we, we really work hard to come up with overly complicated but really brilliant schemes. Mine actually involves uh, shoplifting a Snickers bar uh, from a 7-Eleven, and I had a friend who acted as a distraction. Um, I'll be arraigned for that actually on Wednesday. So well, we have some work to do. We have some work to do. Well, uh, I'm so glad you made it to help us wrap up our podcast and our examination of From Russia with Love. You seem to be the man for the it's job. It's a big finish. Really it's a big here. finish. It's an explosives-filled finish. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Uh, yeah, actually, it was when I was in my teens and had um, early teens and uh, was renting VHS tapes from Video Corner, which was the name of our little store. And I, I did all the bonds um, that were then out uh, finishing, if this will give you the date, finishing uh, with um, Octopussy. So, yes, this was uh, done in uh, 1980. Oh, no, actually, I finished with From Russia With Love. Uh, no, I'm an idiot. I finished with um, A View to a Kill. So, yes, it was 1986. So I was uh, 13 doing this. This is my big Bond marathon. Cost a lot of money in rentals, by the way. A lot of <laughs> Didn't have cable. So no That's t- like 20, like 16 streaming service memberships, <laughs> like right. all in one. So back, those of us who did not have cable, no TBS, no Superstation to give you the Bond Marathon, um, you had to, it was a lot of money in rentals. But yeah, and, and uh, I loved it. Uh, to me, uh, growing up uh, with a lot of um, love for current military affairs um, and a fascination with the Cold War, there was a lot of the Cold War in this movie. There were, I mean, the bad guys were, were, were Soviets, uh, not Russians, Soviets. And they were, well, okay, fine. The bad guys were Spectre running things behind the scene. But but having this tussle and Bulgarian proxies and, and I mean, it was so, it was, it was great. It was a really good old-timey spy movie. For me, you know, here he is and speaking to my little recorder and, and, and secret meetings in the Santa Sofia. It was, it was a great spy movie. And then, 
you know, the AR-7 folding survival rifle, which was so dope. And the amazing briefcase, which was like the first great Q gadget. You know, here's your gold sovereigns. Here's your talcum powder. That's really tear gas. Here's your throwing knife. I mean, the briefcase is amazing. I, I, I only, my only regret is that I grew up in an era that was too late to have the briefcase toy because I know in the 60s that thing was legit. I had it, yeah. Oh, I you did? Uh. There's nothing left of it. It's funny. I found the other day the revolving license plate off of my uh, toy Aston Martin DB5, and it's all that's left of that toy. Uh, oh. But I did find, I do have the little square, tiny revolving license plate. I found it in a, a that, box. Who things. made it? Was that Corgi or Dinky? You know, those, I those think, two British I, I know that Corgi did make it, but I don't know whether the first one was Corgi or not, but it had a working ejector seat, and it was yeah. biggish. You know, it was, it was, it was not as, it was not as tiny as the, as the little Corgi wow. Bond cars that are out now. Yeah, so a, if we just go as, ahead, as a kid, I just I love the whole idea of Spectre Island. I thought that was amazing. You know, when Rosa Walter Gottel in his first you know Bond roles walking her along, and it's just all these commando tactics and crazy weapons, and that made Spectre to me feel like the real deal. Like all these guys doing like kind of kill house exercises, like you know the the special forces guys would do or the SAS, and they look really really serious. And then of course. The brass knuckles bouncing off the off of Red Grand. I, I thought this guy is this is really cool. I thought it was great. I, the opening, I'm sure, was was a little bit shocking, but you know, with with Bond with the Bond face being peeled off. But also, I, I you know, since Bond wasn't quite a gigantic cultural icon, I guess it might not be as impactful as it could have been had it happened, say, after Thunderball. After Thunderball, but uh, I, I really dug it. I really dug it. You know, these minutes start out with a pretty impressive flourish as Kronstein comes up into the frame and then the camera just really elegantly pulls back. And by the time it gets to the last position, everybody in, in the room is in frame. Blofeld, the back of his head, the cat, uh, Morzany and Kleb and poor old Kronstein going wow. down. And, and, and then this remark that 12 seconds, we, we need to come up with a faster working Venom. And it did make me wonder, like, does, is there like a Spectre to-do list? Like, you know, does somebody just quickly jot that down? And so there's this list of things that Blofeld wants. And uh, I'll one get, of them. I'll, yes, sir. I'll get right with R&D. We've got some great we've got some great possibilities with this certain anemone that we found in the Philippines. But uh, right now we're at 13 seconds. We think we can get it down to nine. Right. With some I like the idea that the lab tech is, you know, they've got the new Venom. They're going to test, you know, they're testing it. And it comes up 12.1 seconds, and then the, the floor just falls out from underneath <laughs> right, immediately. Right, you know who we test Step this up. on if it's over 12 seconds. You know who we test I mean, you got to motivate these guys, you know? God, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea of Spectre having an R&D list and priorities. Yeah. How do we armor up this certain kind of Volga sedan? Well, we, we're working on that. We're working on that. I, I get increasingly confused, and so maybe you guys can help me with this, because he, he says to Kleb, you know, you don't want me to tell the Russians about this, right? Like he says to her, I think the actual line is, um, number three, I do not wish to tell the Russians there will be another delay. So I'm totally confused now uh, because yeah, I thought Spectre like was, 
operating. I yeah. thought they were totally behind the scenes, yeah. but this suggests there's some kind of a cahoots. I don't know if that's to, they're going to give them the lector back once they get it, because uh, you know, like, <laughs> I, or is that it? Is is because uh, and then the sex tape plot. Was that going to be the Russians that released the sex tape, or was that just going to be we're just going to get it to the yeah, that, well, I mean, press? That one in line. the end, the Spectre's going to stay behind the scenes. So if there, there's any, yeah, I mean, I think that they're just doing jobs, right? They're just aren't they contractors, basically? Right. They're yeah. They're they in theory you can hire them. Yeah, our consultation fee on the so and so robbery and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they clearly have a kind of um, of service that they offer. Whether it's you know mm-hmm. smuggling weapons or giving or consulting or helping start a revolution or put a dictator, but yeah, that that one line does throw the entire plot into question. So actually. Spectre, Spectre, or the Russians know that Rosa Club has been working out with the Spectre pe- people. They've hired her out to them or something because I thought it was all behind the backs of the Russians and this was all some super secret mission because yeah. she had come over to Spectre. Yeah. But I don't know. I Maybe thought Smirsch was one being more. manipulated. I thought Smirsch was being manipulated. Unwittingly. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, now I don't even like. Well, if Spectre <laughs> was functioning, <laughs> if Spectre was functioning independently, then why would they care about the lector? Like, why would they? So they want to keep Bond from getting it for the Russians, right? Otherwise, wouldn't they just get it and sell it to the British? Like, if they were just completely. Like, if all they were out for was making money or whatever, causing chaos, wouldn't it also cause chaos to let them? Well, yeah, the, and you'd think the like lector why, would What be, would be their motivation for getting the lector? Yeah, you'd is think what I'm that saying. the lector would be, A, bait for the plot, but B, a huge source of income for them to sell back to whoever. Sell back to the Russians. Yeah, when, and, or, and they could drive up the price by saying, well, we could sell it to right. Israel or we could sell it to anybody else. And so the Russians have to pay big for it. But then again... That wouldn't really be a contracted job if you did something like that. That'd be like, well, we're never hired you again. Like, yeah. we hired yeah. you to get the same. I have no idea. Now I'm completely, yeah, I'm with you, Mitch. I'm kind of baffled by and how the, grabs, this all is working. She grabs the lector when we get to those minutes. Right. So she grabs No, that's it still their motivation, yeah. 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 Is she going to give it back? I don't know. It's, it's, it's I, a, think, I think the deal is that Russia, you know, Spectre comes to them and says, you have a problem, we can solve it. But but they're involved before Bond gets the lick. Because this is revenge for <laughs> Dr. No. This is right. like weird. Yeah, doing it this. is. You're right. So I don't know. This is so is it this. So the lector for Spectre is I'm not going to keep rhyming. I promise. Um, I've almost gotten to a Dr. Seuss thing there uh, <laughs> is like a side job for them. <laughs> like, Well, as a bonus, I've reached out to the Russians to say. Hey, as part of this as part of this revenge plot, we should be able to kill Bond and get that lector back to you at a bargain price. I don't know. Now, now you got me just talking. Right, like I'm, it's gonna maybe never end. is calling the the Soviets insurance and saying, you know, you can buy it back for twenty five percent of its value after yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Red China narcotics aren't as lucrative because of competition from Latin America. So who knows? Maybe I, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be an invaluable source of revenue for for. Spectre. And it's not like he says, I don't want to tell the Russians that you defected to us and then fucked up and then they'll shoot you. He right, says, right. he says, I don't want to tell the Russians there will be another delay. So the Russians are waiting for something like they're waiting for the lector. We want our lector back. <laughs> meanwhile, Spectre takes the lector and decode, you know, 
figures it all out. Right, so renders got it all useless. The... Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, given that line. Spectre's yeah, spending. That's a problem. I mean, figure what Spectre's spending on speedboats and rifle grenades. <laughs> they, yeah, that stuff's not free. So I mean, it's gotta. You've gotta have. You know, that's that's another thing. That's your budget. It's like, oh my god, how many rifle grenades do we put aboard each boat? You know, well, things are a little lean. So, but if you sell the lector, it's like, hey guys, brand new rifle grenades for everybody in the rank and file. How's that feel? How about how about some new speedboats? Huh? How about a helicopter? Now we're talking, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, but yeah, you wonder where where the lector, which would have been an invaluable source of income for them, what what its fate was meant to be in the plan. And you really you really screwed me with that line, Mitch, because now I don't I the whole movie's in question for me. Yeah, that is a crazy line. It kind of throws a, a wrench into things. Well, I mean Kronstein makes it clear. Kronstein makes it clear he's using them as pawns. Right? He's like, I'm going to, you know, the the he Smirsh is going to be one, and Bond will be the other, and you know that we're the, we're going to play them off against one against the other because we're Spectre and we're puppet masters, and and this is how it works, and we'll avenge Doctor No, and now, but now this, of course, now this. Kronstein probably sees everybody as pawns, like when probably. he's like in a restaurant ordering food, he's like. The wait staff here is my pawn who worked against the kitchen staff. <laughs> he plays. He, I mean, he plays just seems like the, everything. He plays the front of the house off against the back of the house, and everything. I will I'll s- see. I'll send the steak back to the kitchen, <laughs> and it will <laughs> dump the pasta on the floor. And pit the Believe me, we won't. We won't be paying for anything on this trip to the restaurant. Well, it's, I mean, you know, I, I love that how we know how brilliant he is because when he gets the message, he immediately eviscerates the guy in the chess match, right? So we know he's hyper brilliant. Mm-hmm. Even though yeah. apparently the dumbbell across from him couldn't have seen that move, which cracks me up. Well, yeah. we do have a, a, another clue about all of this yeah. after this gorgeous, gorgeous shot uh, from way up on the top of a mountain, looking down on the water, and the and Bond's boat going across like this tiny little speck with this contrail of a wake behind it, which is just like. Good job, Terrence Young. Good job, second unit, for taking the time and go up and get that gorgeous shot. Maybe they did that when they were waiting for the helicopters that had broken to come back because apparently they had a lot of downtime, uh, even waiting for the wind to be in exactly the right direction for the big explosion on the water. Uh. But we have, um, (laughs) as Bond and Tanya, she tests the wind with her finger and she seems to be having a grand old time in the boat. And they begin to be headed off by a group of boats, and then there's another group group behind, and then another from the side, and then um, Morzani, who's managed to get there. I mean, I don't know whether he had a helicopter on top of the Spectre yacht or what, but he, <laughs> they got there fast. Right. He says, "Heave to, Mister Bond." So it's like, well, all we need to do is tell you to stop, and you're going to stop, so we can we can board you. So when he doesn't, again, it's like, don't blow him up. Morzani right. says. We got to take him alive, and so now I'm really confused because I guess they've got to get him because they got to get the sex tape because they know that he must have it because he took it from Grant, and so to make all of this work, they got to get him alive, and maybe that explains why the helicopters didn't just drop a grenade on him when he was hiding in the rocks, which we talked about last week. Right. then that calls into question the entire use of a helicopter with grenades. It certainly does. Like, what exactly? How, how are you going to catch them? With the, like maybe a net or something would have worked better. I so don't are those know. like less lethal rifle grenades? I 
Yeah, a, a, a dart gun. A, uh, not a not out of the question for a Bond film to shoot some darts at a guy. God. Uh, uh, yeah, this know. is the Hitchcock Man. refrigerator factor where after the movie you go to the icebox to get something to eat and you stop and go, now wait a minute. Hold on wait, a wait, minute. Wait, I mean, wait we've been doing minute. that the whole damn movie, oh, Mitch. Right. This yeah, is like sure. goes all the way back for to sure. the first snack. So I, I, would you guys then say that the movie is, I mean, that the screenplay is a little sloppy, do you think? No, the plot's, the plot's a the little plot's sloppy. The plot's a little yeah. sloppy because they add this extra kink to the book, which is Spectre. And yeah. so now yeah. they have to really figure out there's more moving parts. And and it in the end, it works better having Spectre because it allows an extra set of complications and double blinds to make it more exciting. Uh, but yeah, it definitely feels like maybe they dropped a stitch here or there, but they're just moving forward. And as long as you just keep tap dancing. Yeah. And if, if, and if the moment only happens at the icebox and not during the movie, then who cares? It's all good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally get it. What, uh, where did they film the uh, boat chase? So this is all in Scotland. Okay. And in fact, this was on the last day of filming in Scotland. The driver of Daniele Bianchi's car fell asleep at the wheel in the morning and the car went off into the ditch and there was a wreck and it um, it bruised up her face. And so they actually had to wait two weeks to get back to shooting with her because of that wreck. And different accounts, one account says that it was they were caravanning and that Connery was in the next car and he jumped out and got her out of the car. I don't know whether that's that sounds like good studio publicity mm, story yeah, to me. Yeah. But maybe maybe it happened. I'm not I'm not sure. There's, there's a couple of different accounts. But it was just one more thing in a long list of mishaps, uh, including, you know, the helicopter crash that we talked about last week, which Terrence Young w- went into the drink with the helicopter pilot and narrowly escaped. God. And another helicopter, that di- and then a helicopter didn't work for two weeks, and they had to send it back. And so there were there were so many, and this was all after they got to Scotland, because when they were in uh, in Turkey, the boats didn't go fast enough, and there was a, there was a boat mishap, and they were like, we just got to get out of here and get back to huh. a little bit more control over the production. So it was a film that went way over schedule and uh, over budget but you know Terrence Young always said he got exactly what he wanted he made the movie he wanted to make and and they supported him in doing that so uh, a lot of people said that uh, between all those mishaps and the death of little Heather O'Rourke that this was a cursed production a lot of people said that so it's who was little Heather O'Rourke (laughs) it was the girl in Poltergeist Poltergeist that was Carol Ann it was Carol Ann all right, I got you. <laughs> well, and you know what? Oh, Honestly, okay. if Connery really punched out Johnny Stampanato, then I have every reason to believe he would absolutely charge toward a overturned car and pull Daniela Bianchi out of it. I would I totally buy completely. that. If, if he was the, actually there. Yeah, yeah okay. If, if, if he, he was, was there, if, if he was there and, and, and not, you know, sleeping off some haggis bender in, a, in his trailer, I would absolutely say that it is Jeez. entirely plausible that he would wrench the door off of some Rover sedan and pull her out of it. Sure. The guy punched out Johnny Stomp, for God's sake. Exactly. I, I did also read that they were all set to do the big explosion on the water, mm. and the communication lines didn't quite work, and they blew it without the cameras running. And so they had to they had to reset the next day and do it over again when the cameras were running. Oh, my God. That was a pretty big explosion. Do you know, I mean, do you know, like, how much, like, how much explosive was, I mean, like, sometimes they, they publish, you know, X, num- X number of gallons were used or whatever. Do you have any idea about 
about like the logistics know. behind it. I'm so no. curious. But it was it's, big. It's and, but it was big enough that it was like an all day thing. And then once it happened, it's like, oh, all right, we'll see you tomorrow. And I'm sure they were uh, waiting for the wind. They, uh, Walter Gotel says they waited two weeks for the wind to be going in the right direction. Wow. And they just sat around and played cards. And so they had to hope the next morning that the weather conditions would be the same so that they could pull it off. God, that's. That's like uh, that's like you know when they were camped out on the top of the mountain with you know Rick Sylvester for the for the Asgard jump they were camped out up there forever and a day for Spy Who Loved Me and they needed one perfect day when you know the wind was right and and it wasn't all fogged over and if you missed that you got to wait another month so that's wow I I didn't that's that's awful that they screwed that up so oh, Jason I got a munitions question for you ah! when the bu- when the bullets tear into the to the barrels yeah. opening them and right gasoline pouring out like right. uh the wild bunch shooting the kegs of 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 wine uh, right in the, in, in, uh would that not have probably have ignited those barrels well it, it kind of depends bullets. on what hollywood logic you use right i see i mean if they're incendiary rounds then yes if they're just plain lead then no no incendiary rounds would would obviously light things so on just fire. plain hot lead is not enough to to could Bless could create out. a spark though, right? especially when could. you're shooting at James Bond. It's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. <laughs> I mean, no, it's it's like you know, in every movie where you you know that some guy whips out his gun and blows up a car by shooting the gas tank. It's that's very 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 hard to do. That's very hard Ford, to do. Ford Pintos only. Right. Obviously, with, with a Pinto, it's, you don't even need the gun. It's a sneeze or a, a nudge with your hip. A leaf. But, right. A leaf right, falls on the roof. It's too humid today. I can't drive the Pinto. There's a danger of explosion. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I guess Bond is worried enough to, to roll those babies off, though, into the water. It's a good plan. It's a great plan, plan, right? Good plan. Tanya has the thankless role of saying, you know, why did you do that? Why are you surrendering? Why did you stop that? He's like, snap, snap. Give me the, give me the flare pistol. I would not you know? want to sit in a movie theater with her during a convoluted plot. I would definitely not want to. Why is he doing that, my darling? Yeah, that would be really tedious. But it's a great finale, man. I mean, it's really, it's, for a movie that is not big, this ending is big. It's really great. I mean, it ain't the Hindenburg, but it's still big. I dug it. I dug it. I think it's great too. And then they retire to the Pinewood tank to do all of the close stuff with the fire burns. And right. And that's what's but, great. The water on fire and these guys burning and leaping into the burning water while they're burning. I mean, that's really the chaotic aftermath of, of the explosion. It really sells it. I mean, you know, you see these specter dudes burning to death and screeching and leaping in the water. That's, that's pretty great. That's pretty and we, great. We have to play the game of how would this be done now though? Real quick. Because there's no doubt that this is missing a beat or two from what it would be now. Like, you definitely get more. The, just him shooting that in the explosion and that's all that was needed. Right. No way. Yeah. We're going to get a fiery guy coming out of the water, like, somehow able, <laughs> able to climb on the boat for a fist fight. <laughs> right. Where something's going to happen or a fiery boat continues chasing them, you know, despite the flames. The determined henchman is... Uh, still going to come out. Uh, to me, it's like there's that modern sensibility in me that goes, yeah, it's cool. Ugh, I feel like there could have been another beat. Like right. it just feels a little abrupt, but um, like not saying e- it like should have been easy? changed or anything. Like too easy? I mean, just like he, he, there's no like he Bond does not engage in anything. He's literally like drive the boat, chase, yeah. stop, 
shoot barrels yeah, shoot yeah. over okay and you really are missing like there there could have been a couple of beats there there could have been something but um i mean i'm not saying there should have been i'm saying that nowadays in our modern sensibility it's hard not to feel like one of those boats would abrupt. have peeled off and come charging toward mm-hmm. him and she's like yeah. they're going to hit us and then he fires one mm-hmm. more shot and blows that boat up yeah yeah it's it, a, an unbelievable shot you know it's something or something completely different you know that he has to come up with you got to feel. I don't know. Is it De Palma? Did De Palma do this to us? I don't know. You got to feel like mission accomplished, and then be surprised that mission's not accomplished. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the false. The and false so, end. yeah. But we do get right. that in the next beat. So yeah, we so do. We get a, a whole. A yeah, sense, we get a whole sequence. Yeah, almost, so in a sense, it, yeah. this is mission accomplished. This is the. It, this is the misdirect that that was that, and now we're going to go on to the one. But within one. the narrative structure of an action set piece, right. specifically, it doesn't have the, want, it doesn't have the some, punchline. The one the one big mm-hmm. ex, except he says where there's smoke, there's fire, and that's his quip, and that's kind of right. The, that's kind of the it's button. almost now that I think about it, it's more a George Miller thing within the action sequence. Like De Palma's more what we get here. Yeah, I thought George of Dead Miller Calm too. Yeah, that that's yeah or Dead Calm. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Australia, some Australians. The Australians have like it's probably one in Razorback these. too. You know, <laughs> I thought Mitch's original idea that he'd mentioned of having a startled Nessie emerge after the explosion mm. and kind of look around like, oh, well, and they could rock and roll it like like the pigeon in Moonraker. That would be awesome. <laughs> I love that John. Wah, wah, you, wah. If you all you need to know about John Glenn's sensibility is he brags about having done created the double taking pigeon in editing. That's all you need to know about John Glenn's skill as a director and where, where the where the movies Wait. are then headed. All you had to know is he bragged on that. Do we put another double take wino in here? No. We're going to do something different this time. Yeah. Pigeon. God bless the pigeon. double take coughing wino is my favorite part of Moonraker when he he, belly, can... he coughs in contempt and hurls his cigarette at the coffin. I love it. The pigeon is in fact the worst part of Moonraker. So Moonraker's <laughs> high and low point are in Venice, believe it or not. Yes, and that's the next question is we go to beautiful Venice. And oh, so pretty. So what is it? Is it it's it's Casino Royale and Moonraker and this. Is there another Bond film with Venice uh, or is this the three Venices? Uh, well, I think specifically it's... Bond? I don't think so. Well, yes, of course, specifically Bond. Well, no, I was just going to say... There's no doubt Spielberg is trying to do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, I mean, Doctor right. No. I, I know, I know. Right, I'm right. just saying that gotcha. that's definitely what he's trying to do. Doctor No, and Venice, Bond sequence in Last Crusade. Sure. I think that that's sure. definitely what he's one of his points in his career where he's getting at a Bond movie. X like, marks the spot, John. But yep, I know yes, that's true. I uh, go between them. That we could have seen a go between them. The moment in this, at the end I think this is it. I think I, I, I think those sure. three are it. Yeah, yeah. But it's, too. but you know, with with the bonds, with the the series use of thrilling cities and thrilling locations, it 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 makes sense to go back to Venice. I mean, a few times it is utterly distinctive. It is like no place else on earth, and yeah, it it makes great. It makes good sense. Although they yeah. they don't destroy it like they did in um, Casino Royale. That's true. Well, this this hotel suite that we go to, this beautiful set at Pinewood, is it, this scene. Of course, reminds me of the the end of Diamonds Are Forever when Bond and Tiffany Case are on the on the Queen Elizabeth and Went and Kids show it's the up. Canberra. And it's the, the Canberra. It's the Canberra. It's the Canberra. 
Oh, it's not the QE2. And yeah, you and your always, you always go back to La Bomb Surprise. You always go back to that. I, <laughs> I you, do. You and your, your putter Smith fetish knows no bounds. Well, I, I noticed that once again, we are bombarded with the color yellow, and Tanya mm. is wearing a very beautiful yellow blouse. So we've mm. gotten back to that color scheme. But the one thing that I'll say about this uh, sequence is. In keeping with what would become a Hallmark Bond thing is you, they don't go back to the same location. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things is we're always going to give you something new. And so we've got this yeah. new space for this scene to take place in, and it's shown off beautifully with lots of wide shots and long takes. And, and it's, you know, it's works with the color scheme and it's just one more thing that is kind of typical of these of what bond films would become which we're in this new space for this amazing and there's some amazing single takes in this sequence like it is really like this the master is constantly people are constantly moving around in the frame and we've got we know where everybody is and it's very economically covered with only we've got a we've got a master we've got a couple of medium shots and a couple of close-ups and yet it always seems to be interesting and dynamic and you're always wondering what what's going to happen in the next shot huh i i clearly need to revisit it because um i mean to me it's the end of the movie and it's good um but obviously it's characterized by you know um rose Klebb and her muppet wig and her yeah her her, her hulk wig Should... that she took off Rigno's head yeah <laughs> Should we should we t- go ahead and talk about that then, or is there something we want to get to before no, Rosa ahead. shows up? Let's talk about. Well, that. okay. Another thing where I think we would have gotten a different take on it now would have been her entrance, and I think we should talk about the narrative value of how she, the, the composition of the shot and how she comes into the scene here, because I would have thought that you would have a maid come in and kind of keep her face you know, off screen yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. And you would have gotten when she, when he leaves the room and she turns around to go over to the lector is when you would have realized it was her, but we get her right off the bat here. She comes right in the door face front. Now she's in the background and his back is turned to her as well. His back is turned, but of course we can see. Right. So let's talk about the value of the two different possible choices they could have made there. And do we think that they actually thought that people wouldn't recognize her coming in? I don't think that's true. But she's supposedly in the disguise with the wig and everything. It almost seems silly that she's even wearing the wig. I think that's um, the wig that Connery wore in You Only Live Twice, isn't it? When they right, when he became be. Japanese. Oh God, it's possible. Um, yeah, so do we know. think that they thought we wouldn't recognize her? I like the hide. I like the hide in plain sight vibe. I like that. Like he's yeah. so, we're all, he's we're, so uninterested in this. He's so dis, you know he's so involved in in everything else that, that she can do that. I mean. Remember, she's small, right? Like her, her little mm-hmm. scuffle with Bond. It's only dangerous because of of the knife. I mean, she is no mm-hmm. match for him physically, and she, in fact, looks really kind of like a cornered animal during a lot of the scuffle. So yeah. I, I love the the whole vibe of small but dangerous. Um, I, I think it works. I think the whole the whole like he's just completely dismissive. And, and Tanya, Tanya his, gets to go ahead playing on his capitalist dismissiveness of hotel help. Right. That's that mm-hmm. she would probably know that this is not a dude who has a lot of acknowledgement for people who, who provide services in luxury hotels. Maybe. <laughs> but are we supposed to go, oh, shit, it's her when she walks I think in the door? So. I think so. And do then you I, feel that way at all? Because I, <laughs> I go, I, I do. Oh, actually. that's a weird choice I, is my first thought. Well, I think what's interesting is that the punctuation for it comes from, with Tanya. 
So she clocks, Tanya recognizes Cleb before Bond sees right. her, which I think is mm-hmm. also really, really interesting because, you know, first Rosa comes in and then Bond turns and walks and doesn't notice her, right? And walks into the bathroom with his shoulder holster, mm. getting putting that on. And, you know, then, then she goes over to take the lector, right? And yeah. then, and isn't that when then Tanya comes in? Yeah, it has to be because because immediately yeah, yeah. Bond is in the room. And that's because the first the cut. Is the Cleb gives her the old shush. Yeah, yeah, it's the pick up pick up shot to from the master to Tanya who reacts, and then back to Rosa saying, you know, and then, and then, yeah, and then Bond is Bond has come Bond has come back out because she she starts to take the lector. Then Bond comes back out. She has to put the lector back. Yeah, and, then, and it's kind of weird how he's not all that. I mean. First of all, he the lecture just sitting He closes there. it. He closes it. That's his big move to, to for secrecy. <laughs> right. you know, he, totally ignoring her, and then walks into the bathroom. But like, he he leaves it there, and then pres- we can assume that part of her job apparently is to carry the luggage out because he doesn't seem alarmed yeah, at may, all by the fact that she do does that. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm like, wait, why did he? Why is he kind of? He should have been like alarmed by the fact she picked up any of his stuff and started walking. Oh, you're out right. The room She's with not her. exactly so a porter, is she? Is she, is she there yeah. just to take the lector? Yeah. Okay. So, so killing. I him think she is wants to get out. agenda because I, I think you're right. Because when she throws up the shush motion, it looks very furtive and a little bit scared, right? When she does that mm-hmm. at at at, ta- at Tanya. So I think I think she's just there to take the lector, and that's it. Not kill him. Well, who's supposed strange. to kill? Who's supposed to kill Bond and Tanya now that Red Grant's not around anymore? Because the plan is they got to die so that then the sex tape will come out and and then you know humiliation. But Cleb seems so overmatched, right? In in terms of you know she has her tiny little gun, and 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 she has her 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 little her little shoot gimmick. But to me, it doesn't seem like she goes there intending to kill. It's it it's it's you know, it, she has to when she's she's cornered. But it, the vibe to me is just get the lector. Well, which... I think she no, no. I think she orders she orders Tanya out of the room. She's got the gun on Bond. Then there's a a camera push in to her to me, which is the film saying, okay, she's about to pull the trigger because she can't like cock it or anything. I guess right. it's not a, right. it's an automatic because that's the moment where it looks like she's going to shoot Bond, and then Tanya comes back in and knocks the gun away from her. Right. So I think her job is kill Bond and then probably kill Tanya, even though Tanya is not, not uh, you know, she's, Tanya's probably figured that out too. When she looks back and sees that there's Cleb still with the gun on Bond, I better do something or we're going to both die. Tanya I, doesn't I figure be... much out, but she probably did. She probably put <laughs> that together. She's put that together. Uh, but as I've been, as we've been saying all along, you know, Tanya was, is just waiting to be able to dump James Bond and get on with her life, you know, and, and that's what she's really hoping for. So right. now the situation has, has devolved to where if she doesn't do something, Bond is going to be dead and she's probably going to get killed right after after Cleb shoots Bond. Because right, so the be plan to... was she was going to commit suicide and there'd be a suicide letter and, you know, the humiliation of the of the Her sex dream of relocating know. to England and having a husband with a nice steady job on the forward line is not uh, is not going to be realized if she doesn't throw herself at, at Colonel Cleb. Yeah. Whose who's accent her, is as lethal a her, weapon as her shoe knife. Because the, because the truth is, is that she's deeply 
she's re- she's not falling in love with James <laughs> Brown at all from afar. She's falling in love with Harold McMillan. Uh, oh, that's true. That's true. The 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 man who is ballsy enough to try to to, to take the Suez. Yeah, that's that's my guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that that appeals to me. Just like Kissinger, right? Powerful dudes at the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> I, I I do want to zoom in for a second on that l- complete look of contempt on Connery's face. Uh, even though Tanya kind of gives him this look like, hey, I don't know anything about this. I, I'm not I, I'm not I'm not in right, on this. Right. And he just looks so disgusted. Although Terrence Young said that there's like a couple of bits of that shot where he's like, that's Sean's frog face. And I told him not to do the frog face anymore. <laughs> I only had to tell him once and he never did the frog face again. But uh, too much frog face. But yeah, there's he's pretty contemptuous of the whole situation. I don't know if he's mad at himself, if he's mad at her, if it's like, oh, there she goes again. She's just gotten these girls just get me into all this trouble. Right, it's, right. I yeah, no. I wonder if it's yeah. I wonder if he. I, I like the idea that he's probably more irritated at himself for knowing that his Johnson got him into trouble again, and uh, it, it's it ain't the first time it's happened. So that yeah, he's I, so confident on the phone when he's talking to you know whoever over at special branch thanking him for all the help. And it's just been a breeze and no right. problems. And his little pack great. up phone call, his little, his little tidying up phone call. It's great. Yeah. Little housekeeping bit. Yeah, it's great. It's like, it, you know, I could, I could just picture him doing the same thing. And like, you live twice, you know, my thanks to the Royal Navy and, and everybody on the submarine. I did well done. Well done with the torpedo. That was, that was terrific. Well done. Yeah, yeah. I love his, his housekeeping phone calls must just be great at the end of every mission touching base a few thank you cards to Felix and whatnot. Yeah, that'd be great. Be great to be uh, listening on those phone calls. But yeah, he looks he looks completely disgusted and irritated. That look, yeah, like he just smelled something. So thankfully, Tanya jumps back in to Ugh. knock the gun out of the way. Hero. And so she, you know, she does two pretty significant things in this scene to help 007 out. To say the and least. We've got this this crazy fight. We we get revealed that she's also got a poison shoe, which is a cool reveal because we didn't know that about her. We had the poison shoe set up with Morzani's shoe. Mm. And I do think it's pretty funny how he grabs the chair. Yeah, the lion and, tamer and act. I love it. The lion tamer act. It's great. And, and pens her against the wall. And she's fighting like hell. I she's mean, a hellcat. Lottie, Lottie yeah. Lenya is going for it in, that, in these close shots. Yeah, she's a hellcat. Screeching and spitting. And yeah, she's... She is. I don't know if, and I, I don't know if it's self-preservation, right? Like she knows that this is it. I'm up against a six foot two dude who could basically shatter me like brittle glass with a single punch, or <laughs> if she's really that just spitting, yelling Hellcat who just has that much that much fury in her. I don't know which it is, but you're right, man. It is. It is. Somebody said all stops are out. Go channel the worst myth, channel the worst feeling from your childhood into this fight and action. Yeah. And I and she I and I'm we were talking about this last week, but I'm I meant to double check it in the book, but I'm pretty sure she has both the poison knitting needles and she has the shoe in the book. I'm I'm not 100 percent, but I think it may be both. But I and a pretty strong laxative if she just wants to prank him, if I remember (laughs) right, just to humiliate him on the flight. Hey, I don't think we've talked about this, but how how exactly is that shoe activated? She tapped. And, and how how is it not accidentally the, the, activated over and over? The again? catch is on the side of the heel, and you have to bang it against your other shoe, the other heel, to get it to come out. Because oh, Morzani, did, Mors- she, did Mors- she do that? Well, Morzani did it. 
Uh, so, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think it's already out when we finally see that she's done it. But I think you got to do a little, a little side to side heel click. A little, a little Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> right. This right. is Spectre. Yeah, no, There's no, no place, place like, like the morgue. Right. There's no place like home. <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, it's such a great Cold War spy gimmick, right? It's like you know umbrella guns and mm-hmm. things of that nature. It's oh, really it's really cool. I dig and it. And the yeah, and the watch garot, which apparently oh yeah, they're, they're, Su- that's a real thing, which is super practical, much more so than a watch with a you know a saw or a, a magnetic field, whatever, or a laser. It's the the watch garot is really clever. And even though we had in the previous scene used the Doctor No music again to the burning guys on the water, mm. John Barry gives us a new cool cue for this last bit of of fighting, and. What's going on with Tanya? Not one, but two shots of her swinging the gun back and forth between Caleb or Bond. There is no question in anybody's mind that she's go- she's not going to shoot James Bond. And and then the fact that we get it twice is like you know once maybe the second time it's like come on you guys this is really for the is it this is for the cheap seats? Is the idea really that she can't decide who to shoot her? It's just her. It's kind of badly <laughs> executed. She's trying to get like aiming, aim? just like. <laughs> well, that's the cliche, right? When two people are fighting and you want to shoot one right. of them, it's hard right. to find the right shot. I think that's that's what I thought was Spock, going on. Spock, shoot right? him. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. Who am I really in love with? Is what she's thinking. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, and he's got the chair. It's not like it. I mean, he's 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 pin, he's pinning her to the wall. This is not. It's not a hard shot. So again, Tanya's capabilities in anything but lids and beauty are once again suspect. She just comes across as or or she's thinking uh, yeah. or she's thinking maybe this is the only way I'm going to ditch this bozo is to shoot him and then is she, is she think, or is it maybe I'll shoot like them some, both? Is it shoot or both is it and I'm some leaving. kind of indoctrination left over from communist youth league? You know, is she is she feeling some last tinge of loyalty to the motherland? Or is Maybe. she just wanting to ditch the bozo? Ditch Who clearly both. looked at her like he was ready to ditch shoot her before both. this thing started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Best move him. maybe would have been to shoot them both shoot and then leave. Both. I can't quite picture Kleb saying, let me show you what I am used to in anything but a screeching, crazy hysteria, though, with her, <laughs> with her shoot. Let me show you what I'm used to! Starts jabbing with her foot. <laughs> um, it's a great ending, though, I will say, and I, I don't know how people reacted in what 63 yeah. but i can say that even looking at it now from from this distance as a person who loves movies loves james bond it's a great second ending to your movie it's i think it's a great surprise i really yeah and it. and a I nice think resurrection the, of her character and the fact that young lingers on dying club yeah after her scream it's, you know yeah. it's it's pretty mean it's yeah. it's you know it's got a nice edge to it because they you really just follows her into death and then shit you bag. get this <laughs> tension <liner>. release <laughs> with this you know with this wide shot as Tanya crosses over to Bond and then with the gun in hand rests it on his shoulder and he looks at the gun and her and takes the gun away with once again this weird kind of contempt it's like I, you know you don't put a gun in somebody's face you know girl right what do you, what do you think you're doing I mean he really does take that gun with with this real kind of you know, you can't do anything right, even though she just saved his life. But and he not. could he's... say, so about how you were swinging the gun between the two of us, kind of grip her by the shoulders, <laughs> hold her back a little bit, and say kind of 
So what was going on there? Before we get to the kiss, <laughs> let me just, I just want to ascertain what was going on there because I held her on the wall for a good 40 seconds while you were kind of swinging the gun like a little pendulum. Can we talk about that? That would have been the best thing to do. Yeah, probably so. But yeah, her, her scream as she shot is kind of great too. It's not a just, it's not a, a an easy 60s or 50s death where you're shot, you fall over dead. It's, it's, it's kind of lingering. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably appropriate given how awful a, 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 a human being her character was shown to be, you know, a truly awful villain. Um, but the fight, I always have a little bit of pity for her because of how, you know, when she yanks the wig off and has her gun out and she's so furtive, she's like kind of a little, almost like a cornered rat. And I don't mean that in a super unflattering way. I just mean in her sort of mannerisms and stuff. Like she's got, she wants to execute the mission, get the lecture and go. But she's also aware of how completely dangerous James Bond is. And, you know, the, the guy got rid of Dr. No. So she, there's, I think, some fear mixed in there that I really like that makes her, her a little bit deeper than just a, a sort of sneering villain who's got a, a, a gimmick for a shoe. I really like that. She's no knickknack. <laughs> no, no, she cannot simply be disposed of by putting her in a travel trunk and hoisting her up the mast of a junk. No, obviously. She's she's no knickknack. No, she will not bring Tabasco on command. <laughs> hey, are there any other Bond films where uh, the Bond girl, in quotes, is takes out the bad guy at the end or at any point? Yeah, where Domino. He's, Domino. Domino, right, yeah. okay. Yeah. I was just thinking about when I was rewatching the scene, I was thinking about the tradition of I was specifically thinking about Neil Jordan and how he likes to do that. Where the male protagonist is not the one that violently shoots the bad guys and you know, at least a couple of his movies. Hmm. And I was just thinking about that as a tradition of Bond or any other film. Uh, as an interesting because it didn't strike me right away. Yeah, Domino, is there anyone else? Oh, and Do doesn't Domino kill Largo in the remake in in um in um probably never, never again i think oh yeah Plus, i would remember that gets one. killed that way too uh other examples just... well mayday foils zorin but doesn't kill him uh let's see octave now no? just curious uh -uh. i was just thinking about that as a trope you know uh, or, or does melina like... have lock help bond out in for your well with lock Locke goes off the cliff. Yeah, Locke goes off the cliff. Uh, maybe at the end when she's got a crossbow and they're doing the assault or something. Maybe. I wouldn't be at all surprised because she has been set up as a very, uh, as certainly the most lethal of the Bond girls so far and shown to be really good with her crossbow. Dalton get any help from uh, from the female, female CIA agent? No. Uh, oh. Yeah. Um, Maybe in License to Kill? That's in License to Kill, remember. yeah, that's what I was thinking of. No, no, remember. not. Well, she drives one of the trucks, I think, one of the tankers. But I don't think, uh-uh, I think when, no, is it, when, how, do, oh, no, no, uh, uh, Sanchez is lit on fire, right? He throws the lighter, the Felix yeah. gave him, the Felix yeah, lighter. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he's covered with gas oh, and coke. So brutal. It's God, a, that movie's so brutal. It's pretty. <laughs> I still remember thinking that the poster was one of the best things ever. As a, uh, When I saw it, it was the teaser poster. And all it said, it was a great close-up of Dalton, who is an extraordinarily good-looking Bond, and a Bond who looks very predatory. His features are very feline. And he's holding up the PPK, yeah. and all it says is, his bad side is a dangerous place to be coming summer 1989. 
And it was really the idea of, of Bond as a rogue agent, which had never really ever been approached. And I, I, I was really excited for that movie going into it. Well, a lot that I like that well too. a few times now, haven't they? To say the least. Yeah. <laughs> but again, what, what, what can you do in Bond that's new? Right. So we, we got to give him a, we, we go back to what's old. Uh, that's never been it. How about his brother? Right. We, how about his parents? Let's, let's plunge into his childhood. That's fine. Whatever. It needed to be done. As John said, it's 25, 25 movies. You got to start poking for new stuff somewhere and it's not all going to be successful. Sometimes it's just going to be a little lady with a knife on her shoe getting shot. Well, I'd like to talk about the uh, what I'd like to call the avian rim shot, which <laughs> is which is the Bond line. She's had her kicks, yeah. followed by the flutter oh. of pigeons, uh, <laughs> like like, a, and it's you know the first of many pigeon gags in Bond. <laughs> and so they're chasing that too, I guess. Uh, to yeah. Mark about what they're chasing. I mean, they're uh, chasing more pigeon opportunities after this first one. <laughs> But in it's Venice, a, it's a yeah. great little bump yeah. bump to the to the line. She's had her kicks, and and here we are, with a couple of establishing shots of the Grand Canal, and then Bond in some seriously bad process work in the gondola. The wave is really weird, and she's Tanya is no longer wearing her yellow blouse. It's covered now by a green jacket, and and again, this is sort of I wonder if we're looking at color coding, sort of saying, okay, it's time for her. This is this this is the last time they're gonna around and she's she's gonna hit the road as soon as they get so she's got off. her bags are packed basically i think so i mean bond has to be done with her really like after that last scene i think that it's like okay there's no way i'm like going anywhere past this you know once i get her where i can drop her right. off i'm done and she gives him the ring back without any prompting it's like here take the wedding ring yeah, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm, I will. Thank you. I'm <laughs> right. definitely taking yeah. that back. I've got, I've got to turn this in." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, you know, even if you know, she's, there was no malice in her, or whatever. It's like she's just a trouble. Like she, this trouble follows her around. Whenever something's going on, she can't quite be trusted to, to even think straight. Well, and I think it's probably what he's thinking. Are filming at least. them from above, mm-hmm. so there's there's that. Which apparently that's Terrence Young's wife uh, in the red dress oh. up there. But the is that Terrence yeah. Young's wife in Moonraker coughing and, and throwing the cigarette on the coffin? Did they was that a callback? Did they use her? <laughs> she's amazing. She's, she's the woman of a thousand faces. Just incredible. Uh, yeah. Tanya is such a lightweight throughout the whole movie to me. She's she's very she's such. I mean, Daniela Bianchi for for all of her beauty. And it is tremendous. I think she she's very she's a very thin read to lean on for any kind of dramatics. You're just, she, she just doesn't have it in her. And Tanya is, well, they're not she, giving her anything to work with. And, so and that's the other thing is she doesn't have it in her. Uh, okay. Well, I, I invite you to watch operation kid brother where she's given more of an opportunity and does nothing with that. Oh, but, well, okay. I, but I've served then. Yes. She, she, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it ain't Tracy, you know, in terms of, in terms of bond and a woman, but who it's, is there's, Right, but there's there's no sense of any kind of equality here. There's no sense that she is a good fit for him in any way, except physically. That that they that they would have anything to talk about at breakfast, right? I mean, I I just picture him with his copy of the Times at breakfast and and reading that, and they're off, you know, at the in, in the departure lounge. It's like, well, we had quite a time, didn't we? Yes, we did. Well, uh, good good luck to you. 
and that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. Here's actually here's a handshake. And oh, I, I need that wedding ring back. Gotta get that. Okay, and we're done. She's just. I, I finally understand for the first time this line. He was right, you know, that Bond says thanks to to one of our previous guests pointing out that there was a line that uh, was cut from the train sequence when Robert Shaw had the drop on on Connery, and said about the film. Uh, I understand. It, it, apparently, you gave a fine performance, uh, and they cut that line, and so. There's a remnant of that with the line "He was right." And uh, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. And then she's kind of yeah. like, uh, you know, what do you mean or something? And it doesn't it just doesn't quite doesn't quite pay off. And then Bond's hand comes up and discards this this uh, film. It's so weird the the the, the wave. Everything it's like about it's awkward. He's well, doing. It's like he's doing like a like a, an Aflac duck puppet show. With his hand, like he's trying to do a little silhouette puppet as he waves off the movie with with her doing a feat in the movie that is actually referred to as taking Stalin to the Volga. I don't I won't even say what that act is, but it is captured in their sex film. Um, and then he does his weird little Aflac wave goodbye to it. It's very odd. And it, none of it. It, it, it leaves the film around. And, it's weird. Well, too. It's yeah. And, and in weird. the band commentary, the band it's in the Criterion commentary, Terrence Young has something to say about that. All of this we had to coke up because we didn't have an end again. So really it's a reprise of the Doctor No ending when you analyze it. You know. And now we hear that wonderful music from Russia with love. Enough, that's too much, baby. Oh, that wasn't Sean, that was somebody else's hand, that's right. Sean wasn't there for that. So it wasn't even Sean Connery's hand doing that. It was famed. Terrence Young is not only unhappy with the acting, but it's not even Connery that's that's doing the bad hand acting. Whose hand is it? Is it famed mime Robert Shields? Famed mime Lorene Yarnell? Is Who? it Bob Simmons? Is it Bob Stuntman Stunt Bob Stunt hand? Simmons? That's interesting. That's well, mm. that's good. At least you can't blame Connery for that then. Exactly. So Connery's not the last person in the movie. So that's sort of interesting, even though James Bond supposedly is. And it starts continuing our tradition of ending the film on water. Um, which kind of starts with Dr. No and continues and continues. And yeah, I like that. And it doesn't happen in Goldfinger and then Terrence Young comes back and it happens again. So the three Bond films that Terrence Young directed all end with Bond in a boat at the end. Which is a happy ending. I think so. An ending afloat, if you will. Yeah. So Bond goes back. Bond goes back to Sylvia Trench and, uh, and then, and we, we conclude our, examination of this film although did you notice that blofeld the actor playing blofeld is is only a question mark oh really mm-hmm. yeah yeah no anthony dawson credit what a secret <laughs> what a secret i'm picking up your and sarcasm then Q, jesus See, what and a Q secret. is still credited as boothroid which so is q always is that his real name throughout the entire yes <laughs> series? Anya calls him major boothroyd in spy who loved me so oh okay his name okay is boothroyd. yeah yeah special ordinance section armorer so is the armor or a special well we don't know but i will say that that the briefcase is just gadgety enough like the aston okay the aston martin is where we make the leap into fantasy but this one it was still there there was still really anchored in the cold war to me 
You know, and with Goldfinger, obviously, you start off, you know, with the duck on the head, and you know that we're certainly in a different or the seagull somewhere else. You know, yeah. right? We're we are in a different universe from 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 for Russia with love. But the man, the attaché was so great. Everything from gold sovereigns to the gun to infrared scope to call me Buana. I just, and I and I, I I just I dig it. It was like my one of my favorite gadgets because it's not too gadgety. Just like I love the the poison protection help kit in Casino Royale in the in the remake. That was like the only gadget, but it was really great. It was a cool gadget with this little heart monitor and everything, and it felt practical. And the, yeah. the briefcase feels very practical. Everything somebody's in Asia making, is a field of need. Somebody's making these briefcases for sale now for <gasps> hardcore Bond fans, and they're like $1,500, dollars oh. Wow, interest, in, interest ginned up, interest killed. Wow, you really... <laughs> Does it come with like a real AR7 survival rifle? It That's, should for that kind of For 1500 bucks, there's better be real gold sovereigns. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I better be able to buy my way out of trouble in British East Africa if I if I'm paying 1500 big ones. My god. Wow. Well, I've enjoyed it, gentlemen. I've I love the movie. You know, I feel warmly toward both of you. We're glad to have you here to take this baby home and we want to thank everybody who has been listening and contributing on the Facebook page and in, and entering into this conversation about uh, this movie it's been really fun John thank you so much for doing this it's yeah, been thanks it's been a good run we've had a good time yeah did I, did I do it thank did you. I land the plane are the passengers safe yeah. I, bla- I blacked out there at the end when we hit the runway but I did it I landed the plane I think you did ah, all right Perfect, perfect. Mitch Bryan, I can't thank you and John Engel enough for the podcast and for inviting me to participate. You're most welcome, and we're glad to have you here. (laughs) And to everybody else, thanks again, and we will see you on the feed with something else down the line. Something else, we'll see. Hopefully Star Trek related. That's just me. I wanted to get a Trek reference in. So hopefully, hopefully Trek related. I'll see you in 10-4, gentlemen. (laughs) Belay that order. I don't know. I was coming up with something tricky to say.